Have you ever been punished for something and you totally deserved it? Just me? No one's going to raise their hands. I yelled at four of these boys earlier today. You guys totally deserved it. Right? No? Okay. My wife is defending you. As a kid, I, was, I think I was in third grade, um, I stole someone's lunch money. And I got in big trouble, really big trouble. And I deserved it. I was wrong, and I got punished for it. So I have a question for us all. How hard is it to admit when we are wrong? Is it easy? Is it hard? Richard's like shaking his head. If you are married, how often does your spouse admit that they are wrong? That made, they made a mistake? Always? Never? How often do we apologize to our kids? Or are we perfect parents? Sometimes it's hard to admit when we're wrong, right? I know some of you are thinking, I don't know how hard it is to admit because I've, I've never been wrong. It's hard for us to be objective and unbiased about ourselves, isn't it? We tend to, I think we tend to naturally see ourselves in the most positive light. So if we can admit that we've been wrong, sometimes it's hard to admit that, that we deserve punishment, right? No one likes to be disciplined. No one likes to be punished. Before, let's, uh, before we begin, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess our sins to you. Please have mercy on us. In your son's name I pray. Amen. We're continuing the book of Daniel, and I know it's been a while, so I want to give a super, super brief review. I'm not going to go over all of this. Uh, this is what we've talked before, and it's mostly about Daniel and his friends when uh, Israel was conquered by Babylon. Um, the, green, the green chapters are more narrative stories, and the pink ones are more like dreams and visions. Uh, just a couple of big stories. I'm going to move on to the next slide. Okay. You know, the first is chapter three. If you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're thrown into a fiery furnace for not bowing down to the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar um, uh, made. Uh, but they survived. And the other one is chapter six, right? Daniel in the lion's den, uh, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. All right. This is kind of jogging your memory. Okay, and so last time we covered Daniel chapter 7, a dream about four great beasts. We talked about how evil is real and how evil is present, but our hope is in God and not ourselves or our talents or abilities. Okay, does that kind of jog your memory? So today is, today's passage is Daniel chapter 9, and it's pretty straightforward. Daniel prays and he gets a response. But okay, we do have a longer passage again today. I think most of the chapters in Daniel are long. Um, but I'm going to try something new. Um, I will still show most of the verses up here, but I will try to highlight and summarize more often at certain points. All right, so let's try this and see how it goes. I know it's hard to see a big block of text, and we, we're like, oh my goodness, there's all these words. And so I want to test this out and see what happens. All right, you guys can give me feedback later. All right. All right, so this is Daniel chapter 9. This is the intro. I'm going to skip down. I, Daniel, understood from scriptures, the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. All right, so basically Daniel's doing some personal Bible study, and he's looking for some answers, and he's reading through the book of Jeremiah. 
All right, that's pretty easy, right? Daniel is reading through the book of Jeremiah. When we're grounded or we lose screen time, we want to know how long we're grounded for, right? How long can I see my friends again? Uh, how long until I can get my phone or laptop, right? Uh, earlier today, one of my kids told me, one of my youth kids told me, uh, when they get in trouble, like their parent will selectively turn off internet for their device, right? Just their device. So they don't penalize like, the, the wife and everybody else, right? They'll selectively turn it off, right? But we want to know well, how, long, how long is this punishment for, right? When, when people are sent to prison, right, they're told how long their sentence is, right? You, you, you we're told long. Daniel's no different, right? Israel has been conquered by Babylon, and he wants to know how long is this going to be? How long, must we, how long must we endure this suffering, right? How long is our punishment? And so he's reading the books uh, of Jeremiah, and he finds an answer, 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. You know how sometimes at the end of a long day, we pray like, we're in bed, right? And we pray facing upwards, right? And then in the middle of praying, we accidentally fall asleep. Do you guys ever do that? Really? Just me. Right? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Right? Or sometimes I'm in traffic, and I dash off a quick prayer to God. I don't close my eyes because that's, that's dangerous. But ever just dash off a quick prayer to God? God, help me with this, help me with that, help me with this road rage, right? This is here is not one of those times. This was serious prayer. Daniel really turned to God, prayer, petition, and fasting. He wore sackcloth and he put ashes on his head. And that might sound strange to us today, but back in those times, if you were mourning, if you were seriously grieving, it was normal to put dust or ashes or dirt on your head. That's how Daniel, that's how seriously Daniel took this. He's not like randomly like, God, if you could just, you know, shorten up the seven years, that'd be great. No, he's like preparing for serious prayer time. All right, so let's check out this, his prayer. Why so serious? Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have messed up. That's it. We've messed up. We've sinned. We've done wrong. We're wicked. We've rebelled. We've turned away from your commands and laws. Right here, right, right off the bat, admission of guilt. God, we've messed up. On behalf of my nation, we've messed up. Confessions are hard for us humans. Earlier we talked about how hard it is to admit when we're wrong, when we have messed up. When I apologize to Jane, I'll say, okay, I'm sorry. And I don't elaborate on my sins. It's uncomfortable. I don't recount all the offenses I have committed against her. I'll go to her and I'm like, Jane, my bad. And that's it. And I kind of leave it at that. And if I get lucky, she doesn't go, and what are you sorry for? So you think that this would be it for Daniel's confession, short and sweet. I mean, it's pretty comprehensive already. We've sinned, we've done wrong, we're wicked, we've rebelled. What more do you want, right? Our bad, God, our bad. Yeah, but no, verse 6. We didn't listen to your prophets who were trying to warn us. You sent all these prophets to our kings, our princes, our leaders. It didn't matter. It didn't matter one bit. We didn't listen to them. We ignored them. 
You ever ignore a warning sign? How did that turn out for you? I ignored a dark growth on my finger for over a year, and it turns out it was skin cancer. I'm in the middle of ignoring a car warning sign on my Honda Accord. Um, I plan to take care of it soon, but we tend to ignore warnings. In Israel, God sent all these prophets to warn them. Ignored. Verse seven: We are covered in shame because of our unfaithfulness to you. No matter where any of us Israelites live, we're covered in shame. All Israel, both near and far, in all the countries, we've messed up. Wherever we are on this earth, we've messed up. Just like how there are many Americans living in other countries right now, expats, if you if you know what that term means, right? Back then, there were many Israelites living in other countries, right? Verses eight and nine. More the same. We're covered in shame because we have sinned against you. We've rebelled against you. See, oftentimes we don't feel ashamed of our sins because our sins are not public, right? Many of our sins are private, aren't they? Maybe no one else knows about them. But what if there was a video of us something doing really wrong, right? It went viral, right? And all our, our friends and family saw it, right? We would feel humiliated, right? We would feel ashamed of our behavior. And so Daniel feels humiliated on behalf of his, of his nation. Daniel, our nation is ashamed and is very public. We're being punished, and all these other nations can see that we're being punished. Babylon rules over us. Look at that nation; they disobeyed their God, and now they have to endure this punishment. Have you ever read the news? And then, like, have you ever felt badly ashamed about being an American because you saw or read something about an American behaving badly in another country? Right? You ever, you ever, ever read that? It's kind of like that. In verses 10 and 11, more admission. We disobeyed. We didn't keep your laws. We transgressed. We crossed the line. We turned away. We refused to obey. Are you guys starting to see a theme here? I don't, I don't think Daniel was married, but if he was, he must have given the most amazing apologies to his wife. And so here we are being, continuing on. We're being punished. Curses, judgments, great disasters. Daniel acknowledged, hey, we're being punished fairly, justifiably so. He's admitting, we deserve this. We own this. This is on us. So I want us to think back to the beginning of this message. Are we able to admit that sometimes we deserve that the punishment, we deserve the punishment that we get? Under the whole heaven, Nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. He's saying in the history of humankind, this punishment is the worst. Nothing worse has been done to any other nation ever. And on top of this, we didn't stop sinning after all this. We didn't seek God's favor. We didn't turn from our sins. We didn't give attention to the truth. Verse 14, so God was quick to bring disaster on us, and we still didn't obey. It's like we got punished, and we still didn't change our ways. How dumb are we? Right, I'm paraphrasing Daniel. He didn't actually say that. Verse 15, more of the same. God saved us from the Egyptians, but we still did wrong. We still sinned. Daniel's given one of the most comprehensive apologies we, 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 we will read in the Bible. And so in verse 16, he starts to pivot. This is the turning point. And now I'm going to highlight in orange, if you can see that, his petitions. Lord, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem. Our generational sins have made us an object of scorn from other nations. 
Look at that nation Israel, so pitiful. Lord, turn away your anger and your wrath. Verse 17 and 18, we are desolate, Lord, so look upon with favor. Give ears and hear, God. Open your eyes and see, God. Look, God, listen, forgive, hear, act, don't delay. Do this now. Please turn away from your anger. We're not asking this because we're righteous. We're not. We're asking this because of your mercy. God, please listen, forgive, act quickly. And I can identify with this. Once I was being punished pretty severely for for my grades in school, and I cried out, please have mercy, please. Maybe you've been this desperate before. Then you know how Daniel is feeling. Look at how much he confesses and how serious he feels about his nation's sins. Do we do that? Do we treat our sins this seriously? We'll come back to this. So while Daniel was in the middle of praying, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. Gabriel comes. And I think when we usually pray, we don't expect some physical messenger from God, right? Honestly, I think that would freak us out. And Gabriel talks to Daniel. He says, Daniel, I have come now to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Can you imagine a literal angel coming down to answer your prayer requests? And they say, I've come to you because we think highly of you, because we in heaven think highly of you, because you have a good reputation. I can just imagine all the angels getting together, observing as humans as we go about our day. Ooh, I like that one. What's his name? Daniel. Now, there's a good man of God. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, oh yes, we like him. Always praying. Oh, he's praying to our boss right now. Right now he's praying to our boss. You know what? Let's go down there right now. Let's give him an answer right now. And then he goes down and he's like, Hello, Daniel. I'm here to give you great insight and understanding because we like you. I'm sorry, because you are highly esteemed. And it's kind of like this pseudo-warning. Verse 24, Israel has 70 weeks to clean up her act. And I want to organize this a little bit better. You have 70 weeks to clean up your act, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, to anoint the most holy place. And he ta- and I won't throw, show up the final three verses, but he talks about what happens in the end times. And if you have your Bibles, you know, you're free to read that. There are times of trouble, the cities are destroyed, floods and wars, a time of desolation. And this ends our passage. This is the end of Daniel chapter 9. And so I think there are three things we can take away today. And the first is that God is control, even if he doesn't look like it. I spoke a little bit on this the last time. He is sovereign over everything and every event. Daniel is seriously praying, and then Gabriel appears. So I can see why heaven was so anxious to communicate to Daniel right away. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
It was right that Daniel wanted to see his people freed from captivity. It was right that he wanted to see Jerusalem rebuilt. It was right that Daniel wanted his nation to be able to freely worship God. But God wanted Daniel to see beyond those things, to see what they foreshadowed, even if it would be really painful. And what's that? It's really that the, the, that the turmoil would last until the end. And even now, I'm sure you guys have heard that the war between Israel and Palestine right now, and Russia and Ukraine is still going on. So before Daniel has recorded his, his emotions and his reactions, before to certain like dreams and visions, he talked about he got freaked out. But today he doesn't say anything about his state of mind. He just kind of records it like I was praying, and then Gabriel came and answered me, and then, that, and then that's it. He ends it. But I got to believe that Daniel was probably deflated with Gabriel's message, right? It's like he climbed to like one mountaintop and like the clouds cleared and then he saw another mountaintop that he had to climb. You ever finish a bunch of chores and then right when you sit down and you want to turn on Netflix, you're handed another list of chores, right? I grew up with some of those days and I feel like that's, that's Daniel today. Like he's praying to God for forgiveness. He's pleading God for mercy. How long, God, will we suffer? You know, we're sorry we wronged you, but how long are we going to suffer? And the answer he gets is, eh, until the end times. Now, eventually, eventually Israel does gain her freedom, but really this big picture, this, this cycle of sin and brokenness continues until the end times. But God is in control, even until the end times, and we put our trust in him. And that's what heaven was trying to communicate to Daniel and they must have seen his anguish, and they must have thought, okay, we need to answer him right away. Yes, there's a lot of suffering now, and, and it will continue, but in the end, God is control. The second point is prayer, and I want to sp- speak about sp- specifically confession. Let us model our prayers after Daniel's prayers. I, I know he gave like one of the most amazing confessions, Apologies, and I'm not saying you should do that the next, next time you, you uh, offend your spouse or, or your kids, but many of us look at ourselves in the best positive light, intentionally or unintentionally. And so I don't think we un- really understand how much God hates sin, no matter how big or small. With respect to God's law, all sin is the same. Even if we break one part of the law, we're guilty of breaking the entire law. In James 2.10, who ke- for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not commit murder. And if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Now, yes, the consequence of different sins is different, as it should be, right? The bigger the sin or the crime, the bigger the punishment. The Old Testament laws had the same. The bigger sins required bigger, more expensive animals for sacrifice. And we have the same consequence as well, right? The consequence for jaywalking is different different than the consequence for stealing, as it should be. And I think for the most part, many of our sins are on the shallower side. So we reason, we are not really that bad, right? Maybe the most we ever do is watch things on the internet that we shouldn't. Maybe we swear or use profanity when there aren't any church people around. Maybe we engage in some fun gossip, right? And since we're really not that bad, we might feel we don't really need to confess or apologize as much, or at least we don't feel bad, uh, at least we don't feel as badly about it. 
we need to only apologize if we sin really big, right? Only if we screw up really big time, right? But God hates sin no matter how big or small. It is offensive to Him. And God hates sin so much that He can't be in the presence of sin. That's the gospel right there. We're sinners. We're born into sin. God, uh, our original sin from Adam is imputed on, on us. It's assigned to us. And God is so holy, He cannot be in the presence of sin. So our just punishment is separation from Him. Eternal punishment in hell. But God sent His Son to die for us on that cross to take that punishment that we deserve so that we may enter, enter, may enter everlasting life. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this, this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. When was the last time you prayed this? God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's been a while for me. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. How about you? God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Daniel prayed this today, in today's passage. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let us be justified before God. Let us be made righteous before God. So who are we? If we think to ourselves, well, at least I'm not like a murderer. At least I don't rob banks. Then we might be like that Pharisee. Jesus asked, which one is more righteous? We are probably more like this Pharisee than we think. We probably don't put our sins like this Pharisee, like robbers, evildoers, adulterers. But we might think to ourselves, I'm not that bad right? There are plenty of people worse than me. God should focus on those people. I'm not that bad, but he should focus on the really bad people, not me. But we need to be more like the tax collector. We need to be more like Daniel. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's what God, I'm sorry, and that's what exactly what Daniel does in today's passage. He appeals to God's mercy, There's this acronym that we sometimes use when we pray, ACTS. Uh, this is nothing new, and I think many of, us, many, many of us have seen this before. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. We adore God, we confess our sins, we give Him thanks, and we make requests of Him. That's what supplication means. That's just a fancy word for making requests. My son does supplication with me all the time. Dad, can I play Nintendo Switch? Dad, can I have some ice cream? My son has mastered supplication already at such a young age. He's pretty advanced. But in my experience, when we mostly play, we go to God for things that we don't want. We, and there's nothing wrong with that. He wants us to present our requests to him. But I think most of our prayers are just requests. We're just asking things of God. And I think a distant second might be Thanksgiving. Sometimes like when we, we hear about a good thing that happens um, in other people's lives or in our lives, um, we, we might say, oh, praise God. Right? It's, like, it's, it's like this gut reaction, this, this knee-jerk reaction. Or thank God something happened. 
thanksgiving. But confession and adoration, how often do we go to God and, and, and our prayer is just we confess our sins, confess our real sins? How often do we just pray to God and adore Him? Why don't we confess more? I suspect that we don't like admitting that we are wrong and that we, and we dislike punishment or even the consequences of it. Maybe it's because of our pride or embarrassment or shame or humiliation. Maybe you think we don't admit it because it shows weakness. But for whatever reason, I understand that it's hard to admit when we're wrong. It's hard to confess. It's hard for me to say sorry to my son when I've messed up. And maybe I think there's a power dynamic at play. I can't say sorry. He's five. He's five years old. I'm his dad, right? But can you hear my pride in my voice? And my son is quick. He's quick to call out perceived injustice. But adoration and confession are the first two things that Daniel does. Let's go back to in the beginning of his prayer, verse 4. Um, adoration in orange, confession in green. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. Adoration. Confession. We've sinned, we've done wrong, we're wicked, we've rebelled. So let us be praying. Use the ACTS acronym or not, I don't care. If you're married, pray with your spouse. If you have kids, pray with your kids. Your kids are watching you. Model it with them. Start with your spouse. Jane and I pray regularly. I spoke the last message on making things a habit, you know, and, and the thing I said is I used to not floss, right? And then I made, it, I made it a habit, so now it feels like gross not to floss before I go to bed each night, each night. At the time, I was talking about reading the Bible and cutting down on scrolling on our phones. But for today, pray regularly. Confess regularly so that when you don't talk to God, it feels gross, John Owens was a 17th century Puritan writer. I came across this quote, I'm like, man, what an individual is in secret on his knees before God, that he is and no more. What an individual is in secret on his knees before God, that he is and no more. How we pray to God in private, I think that's the real us. How we pray to God in private, that's the real us. We've read about Daniel in the sermon series and all the crazy stories, fiery furnaces, crazy dreams, writing on the wall, lion's den. But I think it is in this chapter we learn who Daniel really was. He was a man of prayer. Behind all the miracles and dream interpretation and all the crazy stories, he was a man of prayer. And I think our private prayers, or uh, lack thereof, reveals more about us than anything else. I think our private prayers reveal more about us than anything else. Because that's when I confess my deepest sins, the ones my wife doesn't even know about. We are very honest when we pray just to God, right? When no one else can hear, aren't we? Think about that. How we pray to God in private, that's the real us, just between God and us. When we pray in public, I think we might be able to hide the truth about ourselves. During Wednesday night prior meetings over Zoom, uh, if you attend, I get that sometimes we want to be vague. Pray for this, pray for that, 
kind of vague about things. For the youth group, uh, we do our prayer meetings over Discord, and a whole bunch of them do show up. And some of our prayer requests are, are safe, understandably, safe for others to know about. So I urge us to be genuine in our private prayers to God, especially in confessing our sins. Third and final thing, repentance. Confession doesn't mean much if there isn't a genuine attempt at repentance, turning away from our sins. I used to, uh, man, I, I used to punch my brother and then immediately say sorry. Like, I punch him, sorry, punch him, sorry, punch him, sorry. And I would do it all over again. He'd get mad. I'm, I'm five years older than him, so um, I would bully him. You ever do that with a sibling? Oh, none of you guys? Okay, I see Aaron raising Okay. Thank you, Aaron. Right? I, I obviously wasn't very sorry, right? When I'm punching him, sorry. I'm punching him, sorry. Let us learn from Israel's mistakes when they ignored all the prophets, when they ignored all the warning signs. They weren't sorry. Don't be like me. Let us repent. Let us turn from our sins. You know this verse? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know this verse? But some of us, if we're honest, some of us would like to stay in our temptations. Sometimes we have no problem staying in our temptations. Sometimes we like our sins, and we have no inclination or desire to be saved from them. Let me repeat that. Sometimes we like our sins, and we have no inclination or desire to be saved from them. And if you know what I'm talking about, then you already know what I'm talking about. We might act like Jonah. Remember Jonah, the whale guy, right? The, the large fish guy. He thought he could physically hide from God. And I remember thinking, well, this silly, you thought you could hide from God, gone on a boat and tried to go the other way. But we do the same thing. We think we can hide our sins from God. I think we sometimes think that we can spiritually run away from God as if he doesn't see our sins. This is true of sexual sins. We all want to feel good. This is true of financial sins. We all want our money and the happiness that we think it can buy us. This is all true of positions of power. We all want to be in control. Sometimes we like our sins and we have no inclination or desire to be safe from them. I've been in this. I've been in these. All three of them myself at different points in my life. And ultimately, it's pride. We tend to think of ourselves, what we want, not what God wants. And when we read today's passage, we see that Daniel totally owns it. Remember the words he used before? We've sinned, we're evil, we turn against you, etc. That's us too today. We've sinned, we've turned against God. Daniel might as well be describing us and not the Israelites. God hates all sin, no matter how big or small. God hates it when we murder or steal from one another, no doubt. But God also hates it when we gossip about our coworkers or our boss. God hates it when we tell small lies. God hates it when we don't take captive every thought. So let us have that attitude that Daniel has today. Let us take our sins so seriously, no matter how big or small they are. Let us truly repent for our sins. Sometimes a youth kid uh, pulls me aside and tells me a private prayer request. 
And sometimes it's, please pray for my family. There's, there's stuff going on. And there's that sense of urgency from that student. Please pray, Andy. Please pray. Especially if it's a student who doesn't normally talk to me or tell me their prayer requests. They're, 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 uh, they're desperate. They feel urgent. Pray for my family. Like Daniel today, let's have that sense of urgency when it comes to dealing with our sins. It's not put off things. Ah, I don't behave once in a while, but that's, that's all good. Let's be quick to acknowledge our sins and go to God to confess our sins and ask for forgiveness. Let us repent of our sins. Let's keep our unwavering faith and trust in God who's in control of human history. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, you sent your son to die for us on that cross. Thank you so much. We confess our sins to you, Father. We've turned away. Our pride, we think of ourselves and we want what we want, Father. Those sins that entice us. And we, sometimes we continue in them. I pray that you send the Spirit to us to strengthen us, to convict us of our sins, Father. Help us come to you regularly, urgently, sincerely, genuinely, Father. And help us, help us repent, Father. Help us turn away. Truly, truly, truly lead us away from temptation. In your son's most holy and precious name, amen.